Welcome to the Victory Orlando podcast. We exist to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus and to connect them with their purpose. To learn more about us, visit us at victoryorlando.com. Thanks for listening. We pray that you are encouraged and inspired by today's message. Well, I've been excited for this series, The Vow, for a few weeks now, and I've been praying for you, and uh, I'm excited about it. We're talking about marriages, and so we're going to take the next four weeks, and we're going to look at four different vows that we're going to make and put into place in our relationships so that we can have the God-honoring kind of marriages that He wants us to have. It doesn't take too much looking around to realize that marriages in our world are in trouble. Not always doing good, and I believe that's not acceptable to God, especially for those of us who follow Christ. It's not acceptable for our marriages to be falling apart. And so we're going to take these next few weeks, and we're going to invest into the lives of those who are one day going to be married. So if you're here today, and you're like, great, I'm not even married, and he's talking about marriage. This is for you, because I believe that we're going to invest into the lives of those who are one day going to be married, so that you don't get down the road and be like, man, I wish I knew that back then, right? We're going to invest into those who one day want to be married. And we're going to also speak directly into marriages because I believe that God wants to strengthen marriages. He wants marriages to flourish and be an example of his relationship with us. He wants us to have strong marriages for our, not just for us, but for our children and for our children's children, for the generations of our families to come. So we're going to edit the course of history, what has been and what has been. But just because there's been divorce or things in our family history doesn't mean that that's what our future is going to be. We're going to make these four vows and we're going to allow God to work in our lives so that our relationships, our marriages can be those that honor God. And that's where everybody said, amen. I'm fired up about this. So if you've got your phone or on the back of your worship guide, there's a place to take notes. I want you to take some notes today. I've got some encouragement for you and some real practical things we're going to go through. But I want to make sure that um, you don't miss a week of this series. Just don't miss a week. If you're married, if you're not married, just say, I'm just going to give this thing a shot for four weeks. The next today and the next three Sundays, just don't miss a week. We're going to talk about some important things. We're going to make a vow each week. Today, we're talking about the vow of priority. It's going to be awesome. Next week is going to be crazy fun. We're going to talk about the vow of pursuit. How can we still pursue our spouse once we still have them? It's going to be awesome. The third week, we're going to talk about the vow of partnership. How marriage is not just a commitment that we make, it's actually a covenant. And then the last week is so important, so important, you don't want to miss it. It's the vow of purity. How can we live pure in a very, very um, impure world? It's going to be awesome. And I want to give us kind of a a starting point as we start the series, kind of a base scripture where we're basing this series upon. It comes from Proverbs chapter 24, verse 3. It says this, it says, By wisdom a house is built. And through understanding, it is established. It's not by my good efforts. It's not my, my good looks that the house is built, right? That's, I'm glad not too many of you laughed. Thank you. It's not by what I can figure out on my own or try to, try to manipulate. It's by wisdom, by the wisdom of God that my house is built, that my family is built. It's through understanding of God's wisdom. It's understanding that it is established. It goes on and says, through knowledge, this house that we're building as rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. Amen. I think it's significant that Scripture says rare and beautiful because not everybody has them. You can look around at our world today and see that not everyone has a beautiful marriage. It's rare. It's rare that you see God-honoring marriages, and it's terrible. But see, we don't just find great marriages. We're going to build them. 
You don't just happen to, ah, I married this person and I guess we have a great marriage. (laughs) No, y'all. We work on it every day. We don't find great marriages. We build them. So that's what we're going to do. We we are going to build marriages. We're going to invest into the marriage that one day we're going to have. And we're going to invest into the marriage that we're already in. Amen? Amen. So we're going to build our marriage. Today we're talking about the vow of priority. The vow of priority. So I've got a, a question for the ladies. We'll go ladies first, okay? Ladies, how many of you, when you were younger, fantasized about your wedding day? Of course, right? Of course you did. You were out there and you were imagining your perfect wedding day, right? And your perfect dress. Right, and the perfect train, and your perfect bridesmaids who are there to wait on you hand and foot, on your perfect hands and feet, right? And you were, you know, had your marrying your perfect guy, and the ceremony was perfect, and then you cut the cake, and the perfect pictures were there, and you went on your perfect honeymoon, right? And you even named your perfect children before you ever had them, right? Right? Am I right? I'm pretty close. That's right. Now let me talk to the guys. Men, we may have had a different fantasy about our wedding, right? <laughs> Just the way it is, it played out a little differently in our minds. I mean, maybe, you, you know, you're thinking about your wedding day, and, and you know, if you're honest, you probably thought you were going to grow up and get married and get it on twice a day, right? It's just the way it is. There's just differences between men and women. Now, this question, that's right, I'm preaching to some married people in the house. It's all right. Didn't know we talked about this in church, did you? It's good. It's good. God actually created. Come on. God created marriage for us to enjoy. Now I've got a question for everybody. How many of y'all are still dreaming to this day? Come on. That's a good place to laugh. Some of you are like, wait, what does that mean? You'll get it on the way home. It's all right. You'll get it on the way home. But it's just true that we come into relationships and marriages with different expectations. Everybody has different expectations and a lot of times there's trouble in relationships because we feel like, oh, this person's not meeting my needs or living up to my expectations or why are they this way and why are they that way? And I think we just get our priorities out of whack. So today we're going to talk about the vow of priority. And I think it's so interesting and a little bit scary that when you look around and you read different studies on marriages, and it depends on which study specifically you read on the exact number, but the, the consensus is generally about 50% of marriages are going to fail. Let that sink in for a minute. 50%, that's half. That's half. Man, if there was a 50% chance you were going to lose something valuable to you, Don't you think you would take some extra precautions to prepare, to make sure you didn't lose it, to make sure you were extra diligent to take care of it, right? Like if you had to be at work in the morning and you, if there was a 50% chance that your keys were going to be gone, (laughs) there would be some stress up in the house. You know, there would be, you're like, no, I'd be cool about it. You lying in church. You would be stressing about your keys, right? And you would go through extra. Nobody touched my keys. I left them right here. You'd be writing down a note, making sure you text yourself so you knew where your keys were. You'd make sure you knew where your keys were. If there was a 50% chance you were going to lose your keys, you would make sure. If there was a 50% chance that you were going to get attacked by a bear taking out the trash can, which can happen in Florida. (laughs) Just hit Google, bear attacks in Florida. You will be like, oh, Jesus, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take some weaponry with me, some pads, and I'm going to be looking for bears everywhere I go, right? 
If there was a 50% chance, you would make sure you were prepared. But so many times we head into marriage not being spiritually prepared, not being ready, and not being diligent to take care of it and make sure, work at it, and make sure that this valuable, precious thing, that we're making sure it's not going to fail. It's even scarier when you enter into just the church world and that percentage, 50%. It's insane. It goes up. Studies say anywhere between 60 and 80% of marriages fail. Of church people. Y'all, that should not be. So we're going to invest into the lives of marriage. And is a God-honoring marriage possible? Absolutely. Wholeheartedly, positively, yes. But it's not probable if you just go along with everybody else and just do whatever you think is right. It's not probable. But it is possible. It's going to take some work. It's going to take us doing some things day in, day out to make sure that our marriage honors God and that our marriage can flourish and prosper. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Jesus said in Matthew 7, he said, Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many go through it. And that is a picture of marriage in our culture today people just doing whatever feels right to them oh this sounds great now i'm tired of you you're not meeting my needs and oh this person looks better or you know just trying to do things on their own and enter through destruction and many go that way but small is the gate narrow is the road that leads to life and only a few find it that's sobering statement but we have to be aware that we're going to go through the small gate. We're not going to take the same route that everybody else takes. We're going to do some exceptional things, just some regular things that make our marriage exceptional. Exceptionable. Okay? So the vow of priority. The vow of priority. Where's all my single people at? Where's my single people at? Single people, come on. I've got to hear some better single people than that. Put those hands up in the sky. Now keep those hands up for just a minute. Go ahead and look around the room. You'll lock eyes with somebody and maybe some music will start playing. The heavens will open up. Just go with it. Go with it. I'm all, come on now. All my single people. <laughs> You're thinking, oh, he's cute. I wonder if he's, sing-. just, just go with it. He doesn't even know what a PS4 is. And it seems like a winner to me. And so many times I think we get into, <laughs> see Y'all got to wake up this morning. Now, 930 was with my joke, so I need y'all to come on. (laughs) So many times we, you know, we go about relationships and we're single and we're looking for the one, right? Because we've been taught since we were little that to really be happy in life, to really be fulfilled, all of our Disney princess movies and fairy tale movies and everything tells us that to, you know, have the perfect life and to get all those things, we have to meet the one, right? We have to meet the one. If you really want to be fulfilled, you need the one in your life, right? But I don't believe that's the way God intended it. I don't believe that. I think that instead of saying, I need to find the one, I think we need to say, I need to find my two. Now you're saying, Pastor, I'm not saying you need two wives. No, don't misunderstand me. I'm saying God is my one and my spouse is my two. God is my one, my top priority, and my spouse is my two. Look at your neighbor and say, my two. two. Look at your other neighbor and say, God is my one. That's right. God is our one, and our spouse is our two. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 35, they're trying to trick Jesus, and they come to him, and they're testing him, asking him questions. And it says, one of them, an expert in the law, 
tested Jesus with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? So what he's asking him, he's saying, Jesus, which one of the 614 laws is the most important? Which one? Tell me. Trying to trick him. Jesus is smarter than the tricksters here. And he said, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. God is first. People are second. We love God. Then we love people. God is my one. He is my priority. He is my primary relationship. I seek God above everything else. And then my second, my first primary human relationship is my spouse. My spouse is my two. But God is first. My spouse is my two. God is one. My spouse is my two. So we're going to make a vow this week. All my single people, this is going to be our vow that we're going to say. So I want you to type this in your phones or write this down. Say, I will seek the one while preparing for my two. So let's say this all together, all my single people. I will seek the one one while preparing for my two. I heard a story about a Christian girl. She was raised in a Christian home. She went to youth group and church, and she served in the church. And then one day she moved to college. And while she was in college, she stepped away from Jesus. She stepped away from her faith. She started living uh, a a lifestyle, partying lifestyle, uh, taking drugs and alcohol, and then all the things that go along with that lifestyle. And this is how she lived all throughout college. And one day she was in class and she met this Christian man in her class. This Christian guy was there. She was, you know, she was just thought he was the right guy for her. And so she gets out of class, gets home, calls her mom up and says, Mom, I just met the best Christian guy. He's such a godly man. He prays. He reads his Bible. He's such a great leader. He cares about others. She's going on and on. And the mom stops her daughter in this conversation and says, Well, If he's all that you're saying that he is, he's not looking for a girl like you. I know it's hard, but it's true. It's so true. Andy Stanley said this. He said, become the person that you're looking for is looking for. Become the person that you're looking for is looking for. So if you're praying that God would bring you a a godly spouse, someone who will pray for you, Ladies, if you're looking for someone who will lift you up and, and build your life up and, and, and pursue you and, and protect you and provide a life for you and raise your children to serve God, don't be looking in the clubs and the bars. Ladies, men, if you're looking for a woman, that Proverbs 31 woman who will seek God with all of her heart, who will love you all the days of her life, who won't have eyes for another, don't be out there looking in the world. You need to be looking in a place where there's a church. You need to be looking in the low places where somebody's down on their hands and knees serving somebody else. You need to look for that kind of person, someone who's not afraid to lift their hands and worship, someone who's not afraid to pray in public, someone who is willing to do the hard things that God is calling us to do. You need to look in the right places if you're looking looking for someone who's going to worship God and follow God and lead you in a godly lifestyle. You're not going to find that when you're looking around in the rubbish and the trash. You need to look in the places where you're trying to be. And then in that process, become the kind of person you're looking for. Don't just continue in your lifestyle and think one day that godly person is going to come and make me more godly. (laughs) Can I just tell you, no person is going to make you more godly. That's That's all right here, baby, right here. You got to make those choices. Become that person that you're looking for. If you're married in this place, where's my married folks at? Come on, married people. This is our vow. This is our vow. I promise God will be my first priority. My spouse will be my second. Let's say this out loud all together. I promise promise 
God will be my first priority. And my spouse will be my second. That's good. God is your one and your spouse is your primary human relationship after that. They are your two. The problem comes when we get the priorities out of whack. We get priorities out of order. We put things in the place where God is supposed to be. So many times that's what happens. People put their spouse in the place where God is supposed to be. And can I tell you, your spouse is not created. It's not even equipped to handle that. They weren't designed to meet those needs in your life. Only God was designed to meet that need of being first. That is only something God can do. And when we do that, we put somebody in that place in our life, we begin to idolize them, right? Because we think they're so great, right? When you first meet that person, you're like, you're so amazing. He's so perfect and laid back and easygoing. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't even let things bother him. And then you get married and you're like, he's a lazy bum. He won't even get off the couch, right? You idolize somebody, you put them in the wrong priority in our lives. And then one day that leads us to demonize them, right? You meet that special lady and you're like, she's so driven. She's got great goals. She's organized. She's got charts and everything. She's just awesome. And then you get married and you're like, she's driving me crazy. I need Jesus to deliver me from this woman, (laughs) right? We put them in the wrong place. And then it leads us to the place where we begin to demonize them because we've put somebody in a place that God never designed them. God never equipped them or created them to be. Only he's equipped and created to be our number one, meet those needs. And then our spouse is designed to meet other needs in our life. It's not going to work other ways. God is our one. Our spouse is our two. Our spouse is our two. Together we serve God. Together, we serve God, but our spouse is never intended to fill that place. And I know it happens so easily and sometimes naturally, right? It's just a natural progression for people just to be our priority because when you first start dating, I don't know about anybody else, but when Heather and I first started dating, we started spending more time together, right? Because we like being together. We like spending time together. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, my friends are like, you changed. You don't even hang out with us anymore. Right? Anybody else ever had that? Right? Because my priorities have shifted, right? To spend time with her because I want to be with her. They're not, my, my friends weren't as cute as she was. Like, so I'm spending time with her and it's just natural progression. You're dating and then you get engaged. And everything is about the marriage and the wedding and everything has to be perfect. And it just becomes priority. It naturally happens, right? And then you get married and you go on your honeymoon and that's the priority. You're having a great time and it's got to be important. It's got to be the priority. You got to get all the right pictures, right? So that you can post your perfect honeymoon on Instagram because otherwise, how's everybody else going to know that your honeymoon was better than theirs, right? And then what? I know, I love you guys. And then one day you have kids. And now the marriage isn't the priority anymore. The spouse isn't the priority. Now the kids are the priority because because that's what happens, right? Kids start to become priority. Schedules start to fill up. Kids become the priority. And then you get 18, 20 years down the road, the kids move out of the house and you look at this person that you're married to and they're like, who's this person I married 20 years ago? Because you haven't prioritized the marriage. You've prioritized everything else above God, above your spouse, above your marriage. And then you get and you wonder why there's no intimacy. You wonder why people are like, my parents were married for 30 years and one day they got a divorce. Yeah. Because their lives are messed. They're out of order and they don't know who they are. Like, I don't even know who you are anymore. Happens so easily. But then fast forward to your deathbed. Maybe you're lucky enough to know I've got a week left to live. 
Maybe you're lucky enough to have a few moments before you die. And in that moment, everything becomes clear. Priorities become crystal clear in that moment of being on our deathbed. Because when in that moment when you're about to die, no one says, oh, I wish I would have had 10 more Instagram followers. <laughs> Nobody's up there thinking, man, I wish I would have got those white granite countertops instead of the black ones. It's just in that moment, priorities are so crystal clear. Where do I stand with God? And is my family close by? Even people who are far from God, who've never followed God, in that moment they want to know, where do I stand with the big guy? Everything becomes crystal clear in that moment. But why is it that we wait till that moment, till the very end, to realize that priorities need to be in place in order to live a godly lifestyle? We need to be aware that God is speaking to us, giving us opportunities day after day to set priorities in place so that our marriage can be a godly marriage that sets us up for success, that teaches our kids what it's like to have a godly marriage. Because that's not going to happen by accident. Because they're inundated with influence that's telling them it's okay to like this boy one day and the next day, oh, I don't like you anymore. I can like this boy. Oh, I can live with anybody I want to. And when I'm tired of dating you, I can just date somebody else. I'm going to practice divorce for a little while. Come on. I'm going to just date person to person. No wonder divorce rate is so high because this is what I've learned and practiced my whole life. Come on now. We need to show our kids, show them what a godly marriage is like. God is our one. Our spouse is our two. Now, I'm about to tell you something embarrassing about myself. I've been getting up into your business. So don't laugh too much or I'm going to get back up into your business in a minute. But I'm going to let you into my business for a minute. When Bella was, my daughter Bella was born, it was a wonderful time. You know, my wife Heather, she did a great job. Bella was born. They're both doing great in the hospital. And uh, it was a busy, busy time at my work. And um, so after Bella was born, they were doing good. I decided I needed to go back to the office. So I went back to work the same day she was born. It was busy at work, and we had just, I was training new staff, and I had got new equipment in. And so I, in my mind, and this is the honest truth, in my mind, I am thinking I am doing the best thing for my family to set us up for our future, right? Now, if that was the end of the story, that would be bad enough, but it continues. It was, <laughs> what I did in that moment was create legitimate jealousy in Heather, there's a sinful jealousy and there's legitimate jealousy. You can read in Exodus 34 where God even describes himself as his name means jealous God. He's a jealous one. We don't put other idols in front of him because his very name is jealous God. You cannot put something ahead of God. So I created this legitimate jealousy in Heather between me and her. And to make matters worse, I brought work back with me to the hospital. Now, I had a lot of making up to do. <laughs> And I did, you know, I, I, I had to correct some things in my life. But we've got to make sure the priorities are right and in order. We've got to build our families in the right way. So often it's not always a bad thing that ruins a good relationship or a good marriage. Oftentimes it's a good thing that's just been put in the wrong place. The job wasn't wrong. It was the job I was supposed to have as an opportunity that God brought my way it was a good thing. It was just in the wrong priority in my life. And I had to make those changes. And it wasn't easy. What, I'm, what we're talking about today is simple. It's not easy. But it is simple. It's doable. 
But not everybody does it. Because wide is the road. The easy way is going to lead to destruction. But the narrow way, we're going to do extra work. We're going to work hard at it. We're going to make these vows and put them into our lives. That takes some extra work in this place. So how do we do this? We know that God has to be number one. We gonna, we're going to be people of the church. In our marriage, we are going to make sure that we are in church together, that we are reading the word of God together. We are people of the church, right? We're going to put God first. But how do we make our spouse our two? How do we practically do that? We have to protect the priorities, right? We have to protect priorities. They're not just going to happen by accident. If we just kind of leave it out there, nobody else is going to do the job of protecting my marriage if I don't. If me and Heather don't protect our relationship, no one else is going to do the job of protecting our marriage. So let's get really practical for a minute. I want to give you a couple things about how we can make sure that our spouse is going to be our two and God is our one. How do we make sure our spouse is our two? Number one, don't be child-centered in your marriage. Let me just let that sink in for a minute. I know some of you are getting a little mad at me right now. It's all right. Just remember, I'm being, trying to be a good pastor to you. I love you. Don't be child-centered in your marriage. Children are a temporary assignment. They are valuable and precious. They are a blessing from the Lord. But they are not your top priority. God is our one. Our spouses are two. Yes, we need to feed and clothe and provide for our children. And if you have boys, you definitely need to clothe your boys because they'll be running around naked if you give them the chance. Maybe the voice of experience. But... They are not meant to be the primary, primary relationship. Children are a temporary assignment. We have 18 or 20 years. If you have a millennial right now, maybe you have 30 years with them being in your home. But <laughs> I love the millennials. It's the generation that's going to rise up and lead a revolution in our, in our day. But it's a temporary assignment. Marriage is till death do us part. Marriage is not... It's not until I'm tired of this. It's not till you're not meeting my needs. It's not till somebody better comes along and I'm going to trade you. Marriage is till death do us part. This is the relationship that's priority, and our kids are after that. So we've got to do some practical things in order to ensure that our kids don't become our priorities because it's just easy to let that happen. We've got to protect intimacy in our relationship. That means you guys got to talk. You need to set the kids on the couch for a little bit. Mom and dad are going to talk. We have to make a priority. Let them watch you talk. That's cool. They need to see what a godly marriage is like. Show them what a godly marriage is like. Don't just stand there and tell, show them what a godly marriage is like. Ask my wife, Heather, to answer some of these questions um, that we're talking about today in the vow priority. So she's recorded some of these. So let's check these out and see on the screen what she has to say about the vow of priority. I think making God a priority impacts every area of our lives, but especially our marriage. If God is number one and Chris is number two, everything else in my life seems to flow correctly. To keep God a priority, the first thing that I do is every morning when I wake up, I open my YouVersion Bible app and I start with the devotional. And even after that, I get up, I spend time in prayer and reading my Bible, my actual Bible. And even throughout my day, it's the, you know, every moment choices, the choice in traffic, the choice throughout my day to spend time with him praying and just listening for his voice. That is just as easy as the first question. Um... We both do it individually, 
So the same way that I spend time with God, reading my Bible and praying, he does the same thing. And then we can come together and we do that together. We're putting God first in every area of our lives. There's not a separation between what we do and how we serve God. Christ is the center of every choice and every action. Okay, so I laugh at that because it reminds me of when Bella was in first grade and she came home the day of Valentine's Day and she was so upset. She said, Mom, can you believe that Noble's mom and dad are going out on a date for Valentine's Day and they're leaving her at home with a babysitter? And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. And she was like, no, her parents do not know that Valentine's Day is a family holiday. And as funny as it was, it was super eye-opening for me because I thought, oh, I have not shown her that Daddy is number two and God is number one. Chris did such a great job the whole time with her growing up and since we've been married. He's always been so good about when he walks in a room and Bella and I are there. He gives me the first hug, the first kiss, and then Bella gets loved on. And that has always set the tone, but in that moment I realized I had to make so many more choices and to choose wisely and so a thousand choices more and five and six years later she can tell you now that daddy is number two and God is always number one and as much as I love her she knows that she's loved but daddy comes before her and I think that's so important you know if if we fail at that then our marriage is probably not going to go very well and if if we do stay married it's probably not going to be the greatest marriage it's going to be kind of miserable and our kids are not going to enjoy it because they hate that stress and so I think you know for us we made a lot of choices and we talked and discussed those choices like Bella knows if she gets an answer from daddy she does not need to come ask me because I'm going to side with daddy and even if I don't agree in that moment I never express that until after she's out of the room and we can talk through it and we can always come back and say hey we missed it but in that moment, I'm going to choose to respect him because it's teaching her to respect him. And it's also showing her what a godly relationship looks like. So we make those choices daily. Amen. Well, if you're struggling today, your marriage, you're wondering, is there ever going to be that person for me? And let me just tell you, there's hope. It's not the end. It's going to get better. Your best days are right in front of you. I've been praying for you. I've been praying for marriages. And if that is you, you're struggling, man, get help. Don't try to go at it alone. There's people in this church. We have other couples. Look around and see, oh, man, it looks like they have a great marriage. Take them to dinner and be like, and have some questions ready. Have three questions ready and ask them your questions. Get around some people that are further down the road than you. But what did you guys do to be successful in raising your kids? Get around some other people. And men, I want to speak to the men this morning. Men, it is our responsibility to protect the priorities in our family. God called us and equipped us to lead in our families. It's not anybody else's job. It's our job. If someone was to break into your house, wouldn't you? The eye of the tiger comes out. You can even hear the song playing in the back of your head while you're fighting off the back of the, the, the bad guy, right? You, I mean, if someone was to break into my house, I mean, I've got baseball bats, bows and arrows. I've got weapons all over the place. You might, you might have to kill me, but you're going to have to kill me to stop me. 
I'm going to protect my family. I will lay down my life for my family. That's how we are. That's, as, as men, we're protectors. That is our God-appointed assignment. We are protectors. And as much as God is calling us to lay down our lives for our families and those we love, God is calling us to live for those that we love, to protect our families, to establish our families, to lead our families. It's not going to happen by accident. It's going to take us as men stepping up and saying, we're going to be people of the church. We're going to be in church. We're going to be people of the word. We're going to read the word individually. We're going to read it together every day. We're going to pray together every day. You and your spouse need to pray together. Hold hands and pray together. However short, however however long. Even if it's right before you run out the door for work in the morning. Lord, I pray for my wife that you'd give her a great day today. Pray together every day. Why is that so important? Holding hands and praying together? Because you're not going to be able to stand there and be mad at some person that you're standing there praying with. It's going to be real hard. Pray together. Be people that serve together, serve in the church together. Men, just decide this is who we're going to be. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will. This is who we're going to be. Because if you just let culture has, is pulling us apart and will do everything it can to stretch and pull us away. We've got to protect it with the same ferocity, the same fierceness that we would an intruder into our home and not allow the enemy to creep in. And when we see him creeping in, cut it off and get it out. If you're going to be in my house, this is what we're going to do. This is the way we're going to be. We're going to be generous people. We're going to give. This is how we're going to be. We're going to honor God. He's going to be first. Man, this is our responsibility. Ephesians chapter 5, it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Aren't you so glad that Christ gave himself up for you? Died in a gruesome way to save us. This is the job assignment for husbands. It doesn't say when she's making you happy and not nagging. It doesn't say when she's meeting all your needs. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and laid himself down for it. This is our assignment. So what do we do? We're going to protect the priorities. We're going to spend time together, me and my spouse. We're going to have a date night. I know some of you right now, you're like, Pastor, that just sounds expensive. I'm trying to do the debt snowball right now. You said I'm not allowed to do extra things when I'm doing the debt snowball. It doesn't have to be expensive. Put some music on and dance together. Put Put Diego Go on and lock the bedroom door. Put the kids on the couch. Go, Diego, go, Jesus. Hey, it doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be a big deal. You have to make time for each other. You have to make time for each other. Protect the priorities. When you come home, mama gets the first kiss. I love you guys. Mama gets the first kiss. Tell them, let them know. Show them what it's like. What are we going to do? We're going to protect the priorities. And when we do, It's going to set us on the road to have a godly marriage, the kind of marriage that God wants us to have. I want to pray for you this morning. Can we just bow our heads and close our eyes all across this room? Lord, I thank you that you're moving in this place, moving on hearts. Lord, where there's been strife and division, healing is coming. Unity is coming. God, in this moment, we 
make the choice to make you our one. We reprioritize, God. You are one and our spouse is our two. And maybe that's you. You're in that place today where you, you're here and you're, you know you're struggling. There's just things going on and you just recognize, man, things have just been out of order and out of place in my life. And, and we just need to get, me and my spouse, we need to get things in the right order this morning. Just right where you are all across this room, you're saying, that's me. I think I'm going to make God my one and my spouse my two. All across this room this morning, would you just lift your hands? I want to pray with you right where you are this morning. Hands all over. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you right there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. All right. You can put those down. And maybe you're here this morning saying, Pastor, that sounds great. I've never even made God a priority in my life at all. Maybe you don't even know who God is, or maybe this morning you just drifted from him. You used to walk with him. He used to be the priority in your life, but you just he's just drifted away. See, the amazing thing is that God is not condemning us. God came to save us. There's nothing we could do on our own to make ourselves right with God. Nothing we could do on our own to become right. But God in his grace and his mercy sent Jesus to be our savior, to pay in a, in a terrible way for every wrong thing that we would do yesterday, today, and forever so that we could have a future and a hope for today and tomorrow. And so if that's you, you're in this place and maybe you've never made that choice. God has never been part of your life. But today you're saying, I've got to have God be part of my life. Just right where you are. I'm not going to embarrass you or call you down or anything like that. This is just between you and God in this moment. If that's you all across this room right now, would you just lift your hands right where you are? I want to pray with you this morning. All right. Thank you. Yes. All right. Thank you. Thank you.